how'd you get involved in softball? What was kind of your prowess? Because obviously that's what you're known here at the Capstone for, your um, incredible skills, or being a great softball player here. When I was younger, my parents took me out to our local softball fields and we, I was watching my cousin Hannah play and she was probably about three years older than me. And I had never seen nor heard of the game of softball before. And I watched her and it seemed like the most fun thing. So of course I was like, dad, please put me in this game. And he put both me and my sister in it. So my sister was the same age as Hannah. So she was a little bit older than me. And my dad was like, you can play with the big kids. So I played up with my sister. And from then on, I was just obsessed with it. And I played for 17 years. Nice, nice. So so um, when you started kind of realizing, what, what age did you kind of realize like, oh, maybe I can parlay this into getting me into college, getting me a higher education? What did you kind of realize that? So probably when I was in eighth grade, I started to realize that I was pretty good and I didn't realize how good I was because I was shooting for um, some of the NAIA schools that were close to my home and other smaller uh, D1 schools that were in Kentucky just because I, I guess I just never put myself on the national stage and understood where I was against uh, the best competition. So when I started to realize that I could play at good schools was really when they started to recruit me. And I think that's, what's made the journey so special is that I came to the table with the sense of awe because I just never thought that I could play at Alabama or a place like Alabama. Um, so yeah, I guess in eighth grade and, and then realizing like when I started getting recruited that I could play at, at such a high level. What were the other schools outside of Alabama? Were you always kind of like an Alabama girl through and through, or did, was it kind of like, oh, some other schools kind of offered, and you're like, okay, this is interesting. Where else did you kind of look? So there were quite a few other schools that offered me, but I was really interested in the University of Kentucky because I grew up a Kentucky fan, always watched Kentucky basketball. And then Kentucky was actually the first school that ever offered me. So I was like, mm, I think I'm going to end up going to Kentucky. And my relationship with Coach Lawson during the recruiting period was so great. She was so supportive. And I wanted to go there so bad because I wanted to put Kentucky softball on the map on the big stage. Like I wanted them to be World Series contenders every single year. And then I started to realize that there was an opportunity to play for something way bigger than myself and make a huge impact at Alabama. And I, as I kept growing my relationship with Coach Murphy over that year that I was getting recruited, I started to see that I was going to fit into his uh, program a little bit better just because of the intangibles and the things that he does off the field because softball is a means to an end. We're not, I mean, some players go and play professionally and that's, that's great, but most of us don't go and play professional. We go into a job. So hearing what he did off the field and how he was building incredible women that would then go impact the world and whatever they did, that's what I wanted to be a part of. You mentioned Pat Murphy. And when people talk about Pat Murphy and at Alabama, they put him in the same breath as Nick Saban, Sarah Patterson, um, Bear Bryant, you know, kind of speak about what your first interaction was like with Pat Murphy. Cause I'm sure that was a kind of a surreal experience getting, getting to meet him. What was that like? And what was your kind of first impressions of coach Murphy? 
So when I first showed up on campus, I knew nothing about Alabama softball. I had not done my research. All I knew was Patrick Murphy. And at that time he wore, they wore the hard hat over on third base. Uh, so I, that's the picture that I had of him. And I didn't know anything about how he ran his program. Um, and this might be the first time if if this gets aired that Murph finds this out, but I, I rooted against them in the 2012 national championship. <laughs> and so I, I knew nothing about the program. And then when I met him, I really knew that he loved every single one of his players and he loved his program. So the difference in my visit here and my visit at other places was like at other places, it was really like, we need you. What can you offer uh, and bring to this team? And then for Murph, it was more like, you need us. Uh, we're going to make you an awesome woman. We're going to, you know, refine all of these skills that your parents have given you. And so I knew 100% that he was all in on his players and he was going to be a player first coach and he was going to serve no matter what he did. And so I wanted to be just like him. Absolutely. When you had that first practice at Alabama with, Pat, with Coach Murphy and all the other girls, what was it like? Was there kind of like a, oh my gosh, this is like, like I'm playing college softball for Alabama. Was there kind of like that, you know, you hear about in the NFL, like a welcome to the NFL moment. Was there kind of a welcome to college softball moment for you, those first couple of practices? Oh, 100%. And the intensity level of practice at Alabama is completely different and cannot be replicated uh, at any other level. So travel ball, high school, you know, um, the practices are just a lot more intense. So from the very beginning, I was trying to just put one foot in front of the other and make it through the day without completely messing everything up. And then I started to get more and more comfortable because Murph's thing is that he doesn't want you to play scared. And when you come in, you're kind of scared. You don't want to mess up. And then you start to realize, Hey, I messed up and it's not the end of the world. We're, we're going to keep going and I'm going to learn from it. And I think that's when I started to open up and every freshman feels that because there is the, the nerves of just even having the A on your chest for the first time. Um, and that's because of the, alumni that have come before who have set, you know, such a great foundation and they've done such great things that you want to live up to the standard that they've set. So it's really kudos to Patrick Murphy's program and the alumni who have just done amazing things. Yeah. When you, you mentioned the alumni and that's something that every, every year it's, it's so cool to see all these alumni return and all these, you know, people, you always honor a team, whether that be like, you know, one of the national championship teams or, you know, a team that made it the college world series, you know, kind of speak about when, is it like a, is it kind of like a fraternity or sorority of people? Like, is there like kind of like a network that you like, you kind of feel like you're inducted to when you go to the university of Alabama play softball? Yeah. So if you see us do the Bama U, uh, that's kind of like our sorority. Uh, and when you're in Bama U, you don't have to be a player. You can be support staff, coaches, anyone near the program. Um, and that's kind of our little, yeah, sorority, but Everyone always told me that being an alum was more fun than being a player. And I didn't believe them because I love playing at Alabama so much. So how could not playing be any more fun? But it really is because your relationship with the coaches changes and they're more like mentors and almost friends. And then you become 
friends with so many people that have come before you and people come back to the program because they love it and they can see how much that it's it's bled into their life. Like, I mean, Alabama has laid a foundation for me to go on and do amazing things simply because I went there and was a part of the program. And I've said this over and over, but when you have Patrick Murphy in your corner, you feel like you can do anything. So I would come back and support the program a million times because of all that it's given to me. Yeah. You know, that first year, you know, your, your freshman year, you know, you played a key, key role. Um, you batted over three twenty-seven. um, over 35 runs, um, 11 home runs. Your most in your career was that freshman year. You know, kind of speak about what it felt like to have that trust in Pat Murphy the first, you know, your first year, because that's something, you know, you see a lot of talented freshmen come in through Alabama just because of the brand. But, you know, it takes a little time to get the plant, get into the rotation just because for various reasons. What did it kind of feel like to have that trust from seemingly day one? Yeah. So uh, whenever I came to Alabama, I didn't expect to start. And I think that's kind of the best way to come into it, because when you come into it with no expectations, then all you can do is surpass your expectations. So when I was starting the first couple of weeks, I was like blown away. And I think keeping that sense of awe is uh, what made my career so awesome is that everything that happened to me, I didn't feel like was supposed to happen to me. I was like, this is amazing. And I don't know how um, this is my life. So my freshman year, I was in a sense of awe and trying to get used to Coach Murphy's coaching. And I think he was trying to get used to me. And at some points I had to tell him, like, uh, this is how, you know, I get motivated and this is how I do really well. And so your freshman year is all about learning each other. But at the same time, understanding that uh, no matter what the coaches say or what they do, they have your best interest at heart and they have the team's best interest at heart. And the stakes became so high in the SEC, right? And it was time to like not get offended by anything that went on. Just go out there and play and know that Coach Murphy has my best interest at heart. He's going to do what's best for this team. And I had complete faith in him. And I think that just translated into my entire career, uh, just believing in what he was building. And he always told us that he would never ask us to do something that he didn't wholeheartedly believe we could do. So I bought into that and I, I let off for my first SEC series ever against Auburn. And I remember thinking Murph's put me in the leadoff spot because he believes I can do it. So I believe that I can do it. And um, I kept that belief throughout my entire career. Yeah. You know, one thing that um, looking over your stats, I just keep seeing like, you know, you see steady improvements in many different areas. One, Specifically, in 2019, you got walked 66 times compared to 33 in um, 2018. How did you kind of develop that s strong plate discipline over kind of an off season? You know, what does that look like? Like, what it, what was that kind of process of getting better when it came to the plate discipline? I think my role on the team changed almost every year that I was there. But my sophomore year, uh, I realized that Bailey was having an extremely good year, and so. Uh, it was going to be her job to get the big hit most of the time. My job was making sure she got a chance to get to the plate. So I took pride in taking a walk, battling a pitcher to 3-2, going with her for 10 pitches, and then getting a walk because it meant that Bailey was going to come to the plate with runners on base. So uh, the next year it was a little bit different and Bailey was getting walked and it was my opportunity to get the RBI, but that's – you know, recognizing how the game is changing and where my role was fitting in. So 
I don't think I necessarily got a better eye or worked as far as those skills were, but it was more of like realizing what I needed to do and taking a picture deep in counts to where um, she's still going to, you know, not miss over the middle of the plate to me. I know that. So she's going to throw good pitches. And if I just work with her uh, and take the ones that are balls, I'm going to get walked. And um, then we're going to have our ultimate goal, which is our best hitter coming to the plate. Mm-hmm. You, you you mentioned Bailey Hempel, and you know there's so many just legends that you played throughout your time at uh, Alabama. Kind of speak about you know what what made especially that 2019 season that went you know 16 10 made it all the way to the College World Series. You know, kind of speak about you know how those roles, you know how pe- how people were okay with the, their roles. You know, was there any ever issues with like maybe this person should be getting more playing time or this person should have you know a little bit more say what's going on or you know do you feel like there was a good kind of team chemistry in that aspect? Well, if there was any of that, it, it really got buried because there's not a lot of complaints that you can legitimately make when the team is winning. Um, so going 60 and 10, and I think the next year we only lost eight games or something like that. Uh, so there's not a lot you can complain about with playing time if the people that are out on the field are doing good and we're winning games. Uh but at the same time, you can never really argue with greatness the same way that you you can't argue that Montana Fouts should be in the circle against, you know, the top 10 teams that we play because she's really good. And uh, my relationship with Bailey grew every single year because I, I appreciated her more every single year. And it was like, I can see where you make me better and I can see where you make the game easier for me, especially in 2021. It was like, there's so much freedom in knowing that if I don't get it done, you will. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to be so hard on myself and realize that uh, if I don't perform today, someone else on the team is going to perform. And it didn't always have to be Bailey. We had other great players on that team. We had Alexis Mack, Alyssa Brown that were going to show up as well in the same way with the pitchers in the circle. If we didn't put up a lot of runs, they were going to have our back and try to keep us in the game until we could make those adjustments. And, um, as I grew in my career, I had an appreciation for everyone on the team and the way that they made the game easier for me. Absolutely. That same year, 2019, um, made the College World Series, you lost to Oklahoma in, one of the, in the final. And, you know, what, what's, you know, I, I think it's so easy to talk about when you um, when you win. And it's like, you know, the confetti's rang down, you have the hat, you have the shirt. What's that feeling walking back to locker room after, you know, making it to the, making it to where you want to go and then unfortunately just not being able to, to win? What's that feeling kind of like? Well, I don't think that you really ever get to a point where – you are happy with losing even when you know that your team did so good that year we did amazing i mean we made it to the semifinals won the sec successful season on all regards but when you have 20 competitors in the locker room we wanted to win the national championship no doubt i think the feeling that we felt though was i don't want to call it regret but almost because i wanted the seniors to have another game in the Jersey. And I felt like they deserve the opportunity to play for a national championship. They deserve the opportunity to hold a trophy over their head. And what we had was so special from an off the field standpoint, where like, I love these people and I want to see them experience greatness and success and to feel like that I didn't give that to them, didn't give them the opportunity to uh, win a national championship, to get a huge ring. Um, Those things still stay with you because 
you feel like you did everything right and you made the sacrifices that needed to be made. And you're always told like those things will work out for those people that do the right thing and uh, work hard. And then when it doesn't, um, it's just a lesson you got to learn. You got to learn how to lose and it just makes you a better competitor. For sure. You, you know, obviously the next year, um, 2020, um, you know, the season kind of gets starts off with a little bit of a rough foot, you know, and there was a lot of criticism of that 2020 team at first. I believe even Pat Murphy had to, you know, private um, his Twitter, you know, in moments like that, you know, how do you kind of handle um, the outside noise? You know, what's the locker room look like when maybe you went to a series that you expected to do much better and you didn't really do that great. And what's, what's that? How do you kind of keep the noise outside the locker room from getting in the locker room? Uh, Coach Murphy would always read to us every single year. Uh, it was called the man in the arena. And so basically it was, um, you know, a speech about how anybody can criticize someone who's in the arena, but that person doesn't matter because they don't have the courage to show up and put themselves out there. So the person that goes out onto the field and loses is better than the person who hasn't gone out there at all. And so that's how we would kind of look at it is people who have something to say about us negatively uh, are probably sitting on their couch and they're writing that tweet from watching us on TV. They would never put themselves out here for the chance to be scrutinized and to be criticized. But that's kind of how we tune that out was realizing that like, no matter if we go out there and embarrass ourselves a million times, we're still better than the person who never gives themselves a chance to be out here. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we received a lot of criticism in 2020 because we had high expectations. I think we were preseason number one, but there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes of a program that you don't know anything about injuries, you know, mental health, things like that. There are certain things that are going on and a coach's goal is not to come out of the gate and win five games in Clearwater. Coach's goal is to win a national championship. So that is a marathon. And there are a lot of things that go into a 60 game season and we got maybe 23 games into that season. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to continue getting better every single day so that we hit our peak in May and June, whether that's, you know, the person on Twitter's goal, neither here nor there. So we just tune that out because we know that we know what's going on on the inside. Other people don't. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you, you spoke about, you got about 20 games in and then obviously the whole world shuts down. Um, you know, you had the final four shutting down, all, just everything shut down. You know, what was that like to, you know, what was that kind of like to just have no closure that year? Was it, was it kind of weird? Obviously you had many years remaining left your college senior, but other seniors didn't like, did, was that kind of just, what was that feeling like? Well, for a little bit there, it was like a little bit of panic because, um, you know, I was close with, we had seven seniors and close with all of them and appreciated what each of them brought to the table. Uh, but from a personal standpoint, I thought, you mean to tell me I'll never hit behind Bailey again? We played our last game and didn't even know that we were, it was our last game together. And then, you know, we had Crystal and Sarah from a pitcher standpoint, Alyssa, Taylor, all these other great players that had come through. And you thought, 
you mean I didn't know that they were playing their last game when they played their last game? Uh, but Murph told us pretty quickly that he was going to accept all seven seniors back onto the team the next year if they allowed it. So as soon as we figured out that they were going to allow that, uh, we were almost like elated, I guess, to just have another opportunity and to kind of do it right. Because we knew in 2020 that we weren't doing the best that we could possibly do as a group. Uh, and we had another opportunity to work harder and to do all the things that we felt we hadn't done correctly. And uh, I think in 2021, we we saw it all come together. We had a stellar season uh, winning the SEC at home in front of our own fans. It was awesome. But also like during that COVID time, um, there was a lot of accountability on you as an individual because we didn't have our strength coach anymore. We didn't have Murph, you know, practicing with us every single day. So we had to trust each other to still be doing the right things, even when we are by ourselves and still finding ways to connect. I think that's what we miss the most because we're best friends. Like it's 20 people that are best friends. And then all of a sudden, all we have to connect is zoom. Uh, so you go from being with people every single day to not being with them at all. And that's really where we missed each other because we, we found out pretty quickly that they were coming back onto the team. Uh, but yeah, I just missed being around them every day and going to dinner and things like that. Absolutely. Do you think that the team got closer because you had to kind of have that accountability of like, you know, make sure doing workouts, make sure you're staying in shape, make sure, you know, eating the right way, you know, even throughout all this turmoil going through on throughout the world and athletics, like, do you think that made you all closer? Well, you, you had to pair COVID with everything that was going on in the world at that time. We had social injustice, things like that. So uh, we were also having those types of conversations. And at the same time that we were disconnected from our team, we were becoming more connected because we were sharing parts of our lives that we hadn't shared before and um, that you don't really talk about on a team. And so all of a sudden, I knew more about every single person on the team and what drives them and their why. And so I do believe from that standpoint that we were closer because uh, we weren't getting to practice with each other, but we were still getting to talk to each other and have deeper conversations about things going on and supporting each other when when maybe other people felt like um, a little bit down or, you know, with things going on in the world. So I think that made us definitely closer. Sure. And that 2021 season was obviously very interesting with COVID and social distancing and a lot of obviously the social injustice going on, but on the on the field, you know, y'all are fifty two and nine. You know, y'all had a spectacular um, regular season and postseason. You know, sp- kind of speak about you know how you feel like y'all managed that once y'all got back together. Um, you know, once you were able to kind of get on the um, the diamond together. Well, how did y'all? You know, do you think that y'all were able to? Um, I mean, obviously, y'all did a great job with getting together and um, having chemistry. But kind of speak about um, how that process went. So first of all, that year was interesting in a lot of regards. And uh, most of it is thanks to our athletic trainer, our coaches who put in place the different regulations that we needed to be successful. So they, they tried to take us out of every situation that was going to cause us to get sick or not be able to play. And at times it was like, geez, you know, I want to go hang out. I want to go out to dinner with my friends. And, um, they were always kind of putting those rules in place for us to be successful. And I think from our standpoint, we felt like we did everything right. We made the sacrifices that needed to be made. We did not 
go out to the bars on the weekends. We did not do things that were going to put us in harm's way. And we said no to all those things so that we could be successful on the field. And you feel like it's going to pay off. And when we got to the end and didn't win, I think that was the most heartbreaking was knowing that we had done everything correctly. We had made the sacrifices that needed to be made. Um, We were always with each other. We only hung out with each other so that we wouldn't be sick and we wouldn't be, you know, quarantined. And then to get to the end and have it not necessarily pay off uh, was heartbreaking. But I think as you go on and you get older, you realize that it did pay off. We we didn't hold the trophy over our head, but the memories and the things that we did were fantastic. And there are only a small portion of people in the world that can say that they've achieved what we achieved. And so I can see in retrospect, the ways that uh, our sacrifices still did pay off. And that will be one of my favorite years of my life forever because Mm -hmm. of the people that were on that team. And we battled so much adversity against Ole Miss. I think we had half a team, half our team was quarantined and just with the way the rules worked, but we still showed up and wanted to do things right for our teammates that were over in hotel capstone. Um, so that year was extremely interesting, but the team really put the team first and, and did all the right things. Interesting. So that same year, obviously in the college world series, you played UCLA and your friend Montana Fouts, who's, arguably one of the greatest pitchers to ever don the crest through a perfect game. Kind of speak about what that was. Cause there's this, there's this image that I, that I can't get out of my head. I remember seeing it and just stuck with me was that after she, she won, it wasn't like she just like stood by herself celebrating. She ran with her team. She ran to everyone kind of speak about that moment when you're all dog piling on her and like just celebrating the fact that she threw a perfect game in the college world series against UCLA. That day, from the very beginning, there was kind of a buzz around our team, and uh, we knew we were going to go play a very good UCLA team, a very good pitcher in Rachel Garcia. But at the same time, it was like there was no fear on our part, especially Montana. It was her 21st birthday, and I think she felt – Uh, like it was going to be a great day and everybody else felt the same way. Never once did we think we were going to go out there and lose. Now I could not have predicted that she was going to throw a perfect game, but if anybody was going to do it, it would be Montana. And I didn't even realize that we were in the fifth inning. I think when I looked up at the scoreboard and saw they had no hits and I was like, Oh, she's throwing a no hitter. And then I kind of quickly realized, Hey, nobody had been on first base. Uh, She's throwing a perfect game. And What you saw after with the dog pile and with, um, you know, everybody being so excited for her is who Montana is as a person and how she's affected every single person on the team, because just being in her presence, you become better as a person and as a competitor. And so to see that happen for someone who deserves it so much was amazing. And I think it goes back to how we see things on the inside that people don't see uh, when they're not you know, a part of the program, which is Montana went to Clearwater the year before in 2020 and faced UCLA and they run ruled us. And that was her dream as a kid was to pitch against UCLA. And she went into that game and she got hurt and not hurt physically, but they hurt her. They hit, I think they scored seven runs on her. And so she worked that entire year to get back and to put a better performance out there. And she got the opportunity to play them on her 21st birthday and capitalized on that opportunity. But it was the year's worth of work 
to put herself back there and to go out there and have the guts to shove it like she did. Uh, it's just amazing. And we saw all of that and we knew how it paid off for her. So that's why we were so excited. That's awesome. To, to get a little bit more broad here, um, you know, you spent five years playing college softball. And throughout those five years, it felt like women's athletics, especially in college, just exploded in popularity. I mean, we saw a few days ago, um, women's world or women's final four, 9.9 million viewers watched most, I believe it doubled the lot, the highest ever viewers, you know, kind of speak about what it, what it feels like to kind of be, I don't want to say pioneers of women's college athletics, but kind of be in it during when it boomed to see it kind of boom during your time from 2018 to 2022. Yeah, it was absolutely awesome. And I think, uh, you know, you always see female athletes and, pushing for bigger pro leagues and wanting to be paid uh, more in the pro leagues and growing their professional leagues. But I think the result of that unequal pay is that women's college athletics is more exciting because we play with a lot of passion and we're not afraid to play with emotion. Um, no matter what's said about who we are to take Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, um, two very high profile basketball players, but I think that the viewership for women's basketball grew because of them two specifically because they put on a show. It's entertainment. And so I think the more that we get female athletes who play with emotion and make it exciting, uh, it, it makes people want to watch and it makes people want to come. And so I, I saw that grow just just playing with so much fire, so much emotion and just the result of not having a professional league, making this be uh, the pinnacle of women's athletics, not that that's how it should be, but that's how it is. So, uh, I think we draw more viewers because, uh, it's so competitive and this is, you know, the highest of, of where we're playing. You know, I, I talked to so many people and it's so interesting to see the demographics of who follows what sport. So like baseball kind of has like an older viewership when it comes to, um, you know, just the average viewership, but when it comes to, um, softball, it's, it's much younger. And people tend to drift to softball because, you know, you get to see a little bit more. They show much more emotion. They show, you know, passion. Um, there's not these archaic, unwritten rules. Do you think because softball doesn't have this, you know, 150-year history of having these established teams, you know, you have nearly only barely even 30 years at Alabama, you know, kind of kind of. do you think that because there's not this crazy long precedent set, you kind of have that ability to have a little bit more fun with it, have a little bit more passion, be able to show a little bit more of that? I think you you could be right there. Uh, some of it, I think, is that softball in general feels like very integrated with the fan base. Um, there's not a huge wall between the players and the fans. We interact with them all the time. And so you get people who feel like they're a part of the program without being a part of the program. And they come to every single game because they're able to interact with the players, get one-on-one -on -one conversations. And um, we don't have um, a cocky attitude about our time and we'll stay after and talk to you for, you know, hours and just trying to create, uh, relationships and connections because we truly do want to build the game of softball for the next generation. And we know that taking five minutes out of our day to talk to a young girl may spark a dream and she becomes the next Montana Fouts. That is a big thing. So, I think for us, it's, it's humility and, you know, interacting with the fans, making them feel like they're a part of it just as much as we are, because we know the value of having a ton of fans in the stadium that, you know, can change the energy of a game. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. You know, it's funny you say that because I went to softball game a few weeks ago. And one thing I noticed after was the players didn't go, you know, straight to the clubhouse. You know, they went up that little sidewall and were able to um, mm-hmm. interact with girls and girls, even, even young boys, and young girls, and just kind of show them like, hey, you know, you can do this. This is really something that's exciting. I thought that was, I don't know, that was something you just don't, you don't see that at Alabama football game. You don't see that at Alabama basketball game. It was really cool to kind of see that interaction. And we kind of forget sometimes that it's called, you know, these are college students. It's not like these, 35 year old veterans who have families and, you know, want to kind of get back, you know, they're cool with interacting with younger people. And I think that's really, really special. And, you know, kind of to wrap it up, obviously your time at Alabama is done playing wise. You mentioned before, it's more fun being alumni, you know, kind of speak about what that, what, what that, um, how, how that's kind of different, how, how different it is kind of coming down the other side, being in TV, being in, kind of working with my friend Gray Robertson being in the booth as opposed to being in the um being in the dugout. So first of all, I'll talk about my professional life just with my job. Um I'm in a program that is uh to develop leaders that will eventually turn into managers. And so we do some development things. And when I get together with a group of my peers, I just see uh the difference in my values. And that is completely Uh, Alabama softball and what they've invested in me. And so I think just being able to see how everything that they said was true, Uh, you know, all the skills that I was getting off the field are valuable and they're going to turn into great things for my professional career. And then with the broadcasting and stuff, it feels awesome to still be able to give back to a program that gave so much to me and was still having, you know, personal friends uh, on the team. It's like, I love to be able to call you guys as games and your, your big moments. It, it means a lot to me. And I don't think um, I would challenge any alumni, which I know that the alum are so loyal, but I love Alabama softball. I love everything about it. And I only want greatness for the program because the person that I was going in as a freshman and the person that I am now are two completely different people. And it's all for the better. They have invested a ton into me as a person. And I think as alum, all we want to do is try to uh, repay our debts for everything that they've given us. So some ways to do that are just to go off and be successful because I love being able to go to conferences and things with my work and be like, Hey, I'm Kaylee. I played softball at Alabama. Uh, so I think, yeah, just as an alum, it's wanting to give back and make sure that the next generation has the support that we felt and, uh, continuing to just love on the coaches and love on the players that are there and showing them that we support them no matter whether they win or lose. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kaylee, for your time. I'll um, hopefully this will be uploaded this by the end of this week. I'll um, I'll tag you in the tweet and everything, and see where you can maybe retweet it or something like that. But thank you so much for your time. It was a really I appreciate your um, openness and candidness, and just I pre- I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. I appreciate you so much, and it was nice to meet you. Yeah, absolutely nice meeting you too, Kaylee. Take it easy. All right. Bye, Garrett. Bye. WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa.